friends. How has your week been? I've moved over to Substack, as you can see, and I'm also adding a few things to this newsletter. One being that you get to tell, request, and ask me stuff, and I get to write about it. I'm hoping it'll be a bit like chatting to a fellow parent and home educator. Just my thoughts and opinions, not expert advice in any way, but loving nuanced thoughts nonetheless. Let me know what you think. In actual life, so yesterday we went out for a little hike. I should say it wasn't the best day for this. The wind was slicing our faces and I forgot the kids' gloves at home because I wrongly assumed it was a warm, read, not sub-zero day. Kids were already reluctant. Penelope had previously come out and said to me that she basically doesn't want to go outdoors unless there are friends. Lorenzo was initially excited about hunting for rocks, but this quickly dissipated when he realised it involved taking frigid hands out of warm pockets. Anyway, the mood was low. I wasn't enjoying it much. The wind is such a trigger. We got to a beach and walked the length of it, planning to loop back round to the car from the other side. They were starting to complain and I was feeling it too, but then I said, you know, I get that it's miserable and cold and we're going to go home, but how about, since we're here, we try to find the beauty in it? Eyes were rolled, theirs not mine. There were sighs, but they reluctantly heard me out. So we trudged home, jostled and huddled against the wind, avoiding patches of ice, and I started narrating the beauty. Stream of consciousness, like... Look at the shapes of the clouds. It's like a painting. The smell of the sea is beautiful. Look at the amazing colour of the dead grass. I admit this could have gone either way. On another day, these ramblings of mine could have made things significantly worse. But on this day, for whatever reason, they didn't. In fact, it worked. I mean, not immediately, but after a while. Penelope stopped and wanted to take a picture of a beautiful tree. Lorenzo took out his chisel and rock hammer and started chopping up an icy stretch of path, exclaiming at the beautiful shapes in the ice. They decided it would be such a beautiful act of kindness to free up the path from the ice, and we spent 45 minutes happily hacking, chiseling, shoveling and sweeping ice off the path until we'd carved a narrow but safe path through it. We wandered back to the car in no rush and happily chatted on the short drive home. Such is life. Sometimes your cup feels unquestionably half full. Rabbit trails. I went on a tiny dive into unschooling, slow schooling maths this week. Um, I've linked to the post in the newsletter about all the reasons why we stay on track with maths um, and how it does not have to be a thing. So many people commented saying that treating maths as a separate subject is arbitrary and unhelpful, and part of the problem. Bringing maths into everyday life is where it's at, for many of us, and I love that because unless your kid wants to get deep into advanced maths, which would happen later on anyway, the reasons they will need maths is to get by in life. So why not learn it on those in those exact situations, the ones they will ultimately need it for? I've linked to an article by Peter Gray that I find helpful. A maths teacher and tutor also speaks on unschooling maths on the Living Joyfully podcast. And I love what she says. The way maths is taught 
tiny step by tiny step fails to teach kids to see maths and focuses on doing maths, which is a bit like teaching kids music starting with the names of notes and the shapes before they've listened to actual music. I haven't read this book, um, which I've linked to, but it's on my current list. Um, and it's also written by a mathematician about how maths is actually an art. I'm no expert, but... Okay, this is the bit where you raise issues, ask questions, tell me your thoughts, and I write you back in long form in more detail without, hopefully, the fleeting superficiality of an Instagram DM. The clue is in the name of this section. I'm no expert. I just love to think and read and write and I'm studying and researching and learning all the time. So that's literally why I'm doing this. Okay, here we go. One person said, uh, what are my thoughts on basic math development with little ones? Um, should this person be adding instruction when they're interested? Uh, and they're also a little concerned about their kids uh, learning the building blocks of numeracy, uh, about developmental windows, and uh, doing more purposeful stuff. My answer is this. I've said many times I don't teach, so for me there is not much difference between responding to a question or looking something up with my children if they're curious, and ordering a book to share with them because I genuinely think they might like it, showing them a cool video I found chatting about something I'm into, or prepping a project that I think might be fun. None of these things are teaching, the way that teaching is conventionally understood. And crucially, my children know and always have the space to say no, without repercussions of any kind. They have gotten good at this, and I've gotten good at being okay with it. What I'm saying is that learning about the basics of numeracy can happen in daily life, spur-of-the-moment activities, or can be you sharing something you've planned because uh, perhaps they might be into it and also shrugging it off if they are not. All these things to me are part of living in a community of shared interests and practices. It doesn't mean you'll always be into the same things, but it does mean there is a constant dialogue and exchange, which is non-hierarchical in the sense that you all learn from each other and share with each other. Developmental windows. I have a background in Montessori and I will just say that sensitive periods are perhaps a thing, although this is debatable and, like the person mentioned, a discussion for another day. But also, they are not really windows that close and can never be reopened. I recognise this concept can cause anxiety and a sense we have to exploit our children's potential within the time frame of their sensitive period, or else. But we don't. For me, the point of sensitive periods is that we observe a change or inclination in our child and follow their interest in that moment. And no child will do this in the same way at the same time. I'm choosing to go with the idea that for young children, experiencing maths as a ubiquitous, inseparable part of life is probably more important than learning the basics at an early age. For two reasons. One, they will mostly forget and you'll have to repeat the same basics every single year. So unless your child loves doing this, and some kids do, it doesn't seem like a good use of anyone's time, given that the basics are easier and quicker to learn as our children get older. Second, staying curious about maths and exper experiencing it in the world is really how we see maths. 
If I had never read novels, I would question why I needed to improve my grammar and writing voice. If I had never appreciated a violin concerto, I would wonder what the purpose of learning to play note by squeaky painful note is. To what end? I want to see maths in much the same way. Why are we doing this? Because it's in everything that surrounds us. So let's pay attention to how it shows up in its complete beautiful form. That said, if your child, and it sounds like your child is still little, enjoys maths activities or hands-on number games or Montessori maths materials or whatever else, then there's no reason not to offer these things to them. If your child is into numbers and shapes, then sure, support their interest, buy books, offer activities. If I could go back in time, I would share more of the beauty and wholeness of maths that surrounds us and leave the slightly less awesome details for later. But that's just me, and you know yourself and your child best, of course. Another lovely person said, what if you want to take an SDE approach, but your child needs prompts or invitations? This is such a good question, and I don't have one answer for it, but I do have a few things that come up for me, because I also think about this a lot. The first thing is this. I don't think that invitations and self-directed education cannot coexist. I think that if you're doing SDE or unschooling, then what distinguishes you from other home educators is that you don't have an agenda or hierarchy of learning. All of life is learning, and learning happens all the time. So as long as your invitations don't betray an inherent need of yours to see the right sort of learning happening, but instead are simply activities or books or thoughts that you're sharing with your child because they have either asked you to or expressed an interest or you might think um, they might enjoy them. And as long as they can decline, then that to me is self-directed. It, it is child-led. The learning you support or share centers your child's interests and needs and they have agency and autonomy with it. I've spoken about communities of practice before. It's a concept created by anthropologists, Lav and Wenger. Which is, and it basically means a group of people who come together over a shared aim, interest, or concern. I see unschooling families as communities of practice, people who come together with a shared vision and who share knowledge and skills and learn from each other. Giving your child the support they need to learn can happen within this context. You say that your child needs this kind of structure. Some children do. Some children thrive within a structure that is collaborative and that comes from a combination of us observing our children and partnering with them to find ways to meet everyone's needs. My son needs to know what is coming next. And as such, that means that we sometimes need to remove difficult choices and have familiar set routines, for example, at bedtime, or have a certain structure to our days so that he feels safe and can feel more free and in control. My daughter, on the other hand, can handle last minute changes or long periods of unstructured time. Some children love little surprise activities or ideas for projects. Some, like mine, mostly say no. Last thing, if your worry is boredom or aimlessness, then I get it. It's uncomfortable, but I want to say this. Boredom is essential. It will be painful for your child and also for you. It is for me. But I found that once my children have pushed through the boredom without me trying to fix it, great things happen. And sometimes not so great things, but that's okay too. 
I think it's important to distinguish between the very real need our child might have for a degree of structure and our adult need to always make sure our child is doing something. Okay, I've rambled on and I hope this isn't too much. I always welcome your feedback and comments and I always love to hear back. Thank you for reading and have a wonderful week ahead.